welcome. So glad you have tuned in to our Linden Road online worship experience. It is the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of preparation. As we think about just all that's going on, as we all lean into celebrating Christmas again, just the hustle and bustle. And we want to say if this is your first time, we certainly are glad that you're here and we're glad you've tuned in. You could do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up here in the corner or leaving a comment in the chat. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, scroll to the bottom in the description. You'll find our digital connection card there. And if you'd leave us your email address and a prayer request you might have, certainly glad that you're here. And we certainly hope it's not your last time. Thanks for being here. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and also invite you to use those same connection pieces, the digital connection card link here or leaving a comment in the chat or down into the description and just let us know what we may need to know here. But again, we're grateful that you've tuned in. And it is the second Sunday of Advent. And as we think about this season, one of the things we're looking forward to is on the 21st, which is the longest night of the year. We will be hosting a new experience called a Blue Christmas. And given the fact that so many people, even in our own house, have experienced grief and difficulties in this season, we want to come together with a special service of lament and worship in a particular way, just to help us center ourselves on what Jesus has done and continues to do, but where he meets us in our brokenness. We hope if you're in town that you can join us for that at 6 p.m. here in our own space. And as it is the second Sunday of Advent, let's begin first by lighting the candle preparation, our second candle for our Advent wreath. So we're in our series called God With Us. It's pretty simple in some sense at Christmas to lean into this kind of a message series. And we're going to continue to take a look at one particular verse that can help us focus on what Christmas is all about. And it comes to us out of Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. He says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, last week, our big idea was this, right? That we need to enjoy God on the mountaintops, and yet we get to know him in the valleys. And this week, what I want to talk about is how we experience God in the wilderness. A couple stories I want us to look at in particular. But before we get there, I mean, we know this idea of being in the wilderness, right? It's where the Israelites did for over 40 years. It's a, a metaphor, if you will, for the trials and even the hardships that uh, we endure and we lean into. And it is, it sometimes it feels like we are wandering. The truth is, even in some simple way, like when are we going to get out of this mess, right? And not even sure what it is the next thing we should do. In so many ways, when we hit difficulties in life, as we 
process just how life comes at us, sometimes the next step isn't all that clear. I mean, think about this, the idea of staying in a job. How long should you stay there? Or maybe you should go back to school. And But the problem with that is the loans that are going to take to have to pay the bills to make that happen. And yet you think maybe there's something better that's going to come along. And yet it's very much being in the wilderness. Or maybe it's about buying your home. Maybe it's about the fact that you don't want to continue to rent and you're looking to make that investment. Uh, but yet in order to step out in faith to purchase, it's risky. And there is, again, that sense of wilderness. Or maybe you're in a relationship, a dating relationship, and you're trying to figure out what that next step looks like. You know, how long are we going to go with this? Is there a moment coming, even a hope for a coming proposal to get married? Or maybe it's simply calling it quits and, and starting over in that relationship. Again, it is a sense of wilderness. And yet we know, too, as we talked last week, and as we think about just this season of waiting, as we once again look forward to the coming of Jesus, we know, too, that often this idea of wilderness comes after the mountaintop experience. I mean, think about Jesus. We know that when Jesus was baptized, as he stepped into vocational ministry, I mean, he'd been on the earth for more than 30 years, but as he stepped in and began his ministry with his baptism, what happens next? Immediately, God sends him into the wilderness. And what happens to him there? Well, we know he was tempted for 40 days. Or maybe in your own story, you've had a, a friend who's betrayed you, or maybe you're in a job that you hate, or maybe there's the pressure of just trying to figure out how to pay the bills. Or maybe it's the brokenness in a relationship with your spouse where maybe they weren't honest to you. So this week, I want to look at two stories, one from the Old Testament and another one from the New Testament. And we'll go to the New Testament first. I want to look at the story of Zechariah. Zechariah is a man who was waiting and waiting and waiting for the coming of the promised Messiah. And we think about Zechariah's faithfulness. And what happens to him? Well, let's see. Not saying a word. I'm talking complete silence. God was for over 400 years. The muteness from the creator of the universe. The one who said that Earth is but a footstool to him. Was about to break his silence. shall name him John. A son? You 
will have great joy, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will turn many to the Lord their God. He will come with the power of Elijah. Elijah? He will prepare the people for the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. But I'm an old man. My wife... I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And it was He who sent me to give you this good news. You will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For what He has spoke will surely be fulfilled. begins, the ritual becomes radiant, and the faithful become fathers. When God speaks, the heavens rise and the earth bows. Hope grows where hurt was rooted. Time becomes eternity, and he leads us to holy ground that was once hollow. Yes, my friends, God is just getting started. So yeah, uh, the idea of being in the wilderness for him. I mean, here he is having waited all this time for the coming of the Messiah. And yet, what does he need to do? He needs to wait. And he needs to do that in silence. I mean, what an incredible place to be. And yet God was faithful in that moment. And really it's about the quietness that then Zechariah has to endure, the fact that he can't talk to other people and that he has to hold this, what he knows to be true in his own mind, in his own heart until things come to fruition with the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. Now, at the same time, we know for many of us, as we look at the stories of scripture, or as, even as we live out our own lives about how many of us have gone through a season of being hurt by someone or even maybe a season of being confused and, and maybe or even a season of feeling empty. And part of what we want to see is once again we lean into the season of Advent is being reminded that, that it's in those moments when we go through the valleys, as we talked about last week, that we see God show up in an amazing way. And so this week, our big idea, simple idea for us to ponder as we unpack this scripture for us today is that your deepest need can become a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Let me say that again. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. 
Now, the other person we want to look at this week, beyond Zechariah in his story, is the story of Elijah the prophet. He's from the Old Testament, and we know that God used him in a massive way on a mountaintop, right? But then what happens in his own story is right after this mountaintop experience, he ends up in the pit of despair, literally, into depression that seems like it's just going to fold in on him. Part of the story we look at is there's this guy named King Ahab, and he tells Jezebel all that Elijah had done at Mount Carmel. If you remember the story, Elijah calls down fire on the hundreds of Baal prophets that are there. And then after that encounter, Jezebel, she sends word to Elijah. Basically, the paraphrase version is this, is that by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. Let's look at the scriptures here. It comes to us out of 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning with verse 3. It says what? Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, think about this. He ended up running and the distance he ran was about 100 miles which is about from here to Toledo. And when we think about these moments in our own relationships, if you're a parent, maybe even a grandparent, maybe you've had that moment with that uncooperative teenager where you get up to you know, some point, like I'm not quite sure where it is, where you say, I'm, I'm, I'm up to here. And, and then your response is, you know, don't make me, don't make me do whatever uh, to bring about some kind of punishment. Or maybe you have a boss who is passive aggressive, who maybe is narcissistic and even uh, beyond demanding or maybe you are trying to make up ground financially and yet just as you think you get ahead the car breaks or the toilet floods over or maybe you end up cutting your finger and having to go to the emergency room right it's in those moments where we go really god this is getting so complicated or how about that moment when you've made dinner for everyone, everyone gets up and goes and does their own thing and leaves you to do the dishes. And I think for many of us, especially in this past uh, season, as I keep referring these past couple years, as we think about the trauma we've all pushed through, a lot of us are resilient and we can put up with a lot, but there is that moment where it's just like, I can't take no more. Most of us are what I say resilient. We can handle a lot. And yet there can be that one moment that comes at us that just pushes us over the edge and we're not quite sure what to do and how to respond in a healthy way. So we think about this story with Elijah, right? He actually ends up, as the story begins, he he stands down this evil king and he actually prophesies a drought because of the king's sin. And what's amazing, if we look at this story, is that for three years, King Ahab used all that he had to pursue Elijah. And it's interesting when he's hiding, it's interesting when he's hiding from King Ahab, we hear about God's faithfulness and his provision, where he actually is fed by the ravens. And we know, too, in his story that he uh, was able to raise a person from the dead, And then, again, as I mentioned, he stands down about 850 false prophets. He calls down fire and and obliterates them, literally. He destroys the false prophets. And and then he even, at some point, asks God for rain, and God sends the cloud. 
And so we see God's faithfulness in all these things. And so we see that there's this protection and even the provision of God in these moments. And then what is it that causes Elijah to fall apart? He has these incredible victories, but it's one crazy woman that comes after him who's angry. She makes a threat, and what does Elijah do? He falls apart. So when we look at Elijah's story, and the reason why we want to unpack it today is that he does seem exhausted. And I don't know about you, but I think I can relate to his story. It just seems like the season for many of us as we hustle and bustle and get, lean into it. Even though we had sort of an extra week between Thanksgiving and Advent this year, it still seemed as though there just wasn't enough time. So when we look at Elijah's story, we see that he wasn't simply tired. He was uh, just depleted. There wasn't much left for him to give. And we need to see that sometimes we need to have physical rest in order to get spiritual replenishment. That it's really important that we unplug and take a moment to breathe, to even practice what John Eldridge calls benevolent detachment. Whereas we begin each day, John encourages us through the Pause app, again, a great tool for you to lean into and give consideration to. But the idea is just taking a moment in the midst of the craziness and just pausing to say, in fact, let's do that now. Let's pray. Father, we do pray in this moment that we just leave behind all the things that we have been experiencing, even as we watch today online. May you meet us in that moment. May we connect with you, reconnect with you in a way that can be powerful to help us lean into what you have for us today. Jesus, thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection that gives us power. And as we look at this story, let us find in our own rhythm of life what you have for us as we think about how we need to develop practices to help us connect better with you. And we thank you for the promise that is sure because of what Jesus has done. We pray it through his strong name. Amen. Now, again, it's interesting just taking this pause and stopping for a moment and thinking about, I mean, we, we think about, right, the scripture that comes to mind immediately is Psalms 23, right? That the Lord is our shepherd and that he does make us lie down and he, that he does restore our soul. And what's interesting in Elijah's story here and how God shows up is that God doesn't come and preach a sermon to him. He doesn't even rebuke Elijah and say, well, dude, where's your faith? What does he do? Well, in this story, he basically tells him, you just need to eat and to rest. In fact, here in the scripture, he says, and all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and then he lay down again. So what I want to say in this season for all of us, I think that it's probably the most spiritual thing that we could do is to pause and to rest, is to not be hurried about our day, to actually go back to Psalm 23 and hear those words again, be still and know. Or even last week, you know, we talked about how uh, looking at the verse out of Psalms that maybe what we need to do is dig a well so that God can fill it to use our energy to then just wait on him to show up and give us what we need to be able to process what the day's bringing towards us or the week or just our life experience. 
And again, it's interesting as we continue looking here at 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, and he was strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, asking, what are you doing here? So what's interesting here is that God meets Elijah in the messiness. And I want us to see that as we think about our own stories, that the truth is that we serve a God who is the God of second chances. The truth is, if we don't get it right the first time, that God's going to come back and help us to get it right the second time. And that God comes to us to encourage us in that moment. And the Lord comes to the prophet and says to him in that cave, dude, what are you doing here? Uh, even to maybe saying, what good is this going to do? You're, you're all awake and upset. And again, reading in verse 10, it says, He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And Elijah, who has seen God move through his own good work in many different ways, is sort of left at a point where he's in desperation and he thinks it's all over, like, woe is me. And yet what we need to see here is this simple truth that, again, that God meets Elijah, the prophet, in his very moment of need. And so again, this big idea for us this week is that our deepest need becomes a gift when it drives us to depend on God. Again, First Kings, continuing the story here, it says, The Lord said, Get out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then, after the fire, came a gentle whisper. It's verses 11 and 12 of chapter 19. Wow, that's just amazing, right? First, the wind. Lord was not in the wind. The earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And even the fire. He was not in the fire. Uh, God is not in any of it. He's not in any of those elements. But where was he? He wasn't in the remarkable. He wasn't in the things that stood out. He was in the ordinary. He was in the moment. He was in the whisper. When we are overwhelmed by stress, or we can even be overcome by anxiety, why is it, do you think, that God's voice seems so quiet? Or why doesn't he speak to us in these spectacular and powerful ways? I mean, seriously, if he wants me to know him, why doesn't he announce it with a loud voice? If he wants me to experience him and trust him, why doesn't he talk to me in ways that I can hear? Why is it that he has to whisper? Here's why it matters. He whispers because he is always close. Think about that. The reason he whispers is because he's close enough that we can hear him. If we're willing to pause 
and be quiet. So when we think about God's character and we see how he's wired and how he interacts with his people, what we know this much is it's the evil one who shouts the lies. And yet what we know to be true is that God whispers the truth. And it's not by God shouting louder, but really what it's about is he's actually calling us closer so we can be in relationship to him. And to be reminded that he is here, that he is with us, that that's the promise of Christmas, that his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the good thing is, and it's a reassuring thing, is that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. One of my favorite verses from scripture is Psalm 34, where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's Psalm 34, verse 18. That's powerful. Even Jesus said he came to bind up the brokenhearted, that that's why he's here. Or even last week, as we ended the message, we looked at this verse from Psalm 139, where he says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So we see this, right? Last week we talked about we need to dig a ditch that becomes a hole that God will fill, that he will bless us. Again, we call him Emmanuel. Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. He has taken on flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Now again, why does God whisper? Well, he whispers because he wants us to know that he's close by. And to be honest, I don't know about you, but for me, I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than to be on top of the mountain without him. And so as we said, as we began today, our big idea is that our deepest need becomes a gift and it drives you to depend on God. And as we think about that, that when we are in the valley or that when we are in the wilderness, that in those moments we can become more aware of God's voice. Because again, our deepest need becomes a gift and it drives us to depend on God. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this truth. We're grateful for the many things that these words mean to us in a very practical way today. And we are grateful that you do whisper to us quietly and with all sorts of assurance that we are yours. And so this morning as we worship, as we think about and ponder once again the story of Jesus taking on flesh and coming to earth, we pray your Holy Spirit would guide us in the moments to trust you for all the things that are coming at us, that you are in the midst of it. And so we pray it through your strong name now. Amen. Thanks for being with us this week. Again, we remind you that we'll be hosting the Blue Christmas Experience on December 21st here at 6 p.m. If you're in town, we hope you can join us. And then to be reminded as we think about all these things that we have been indeed blessed to be a blessing. So go forth and serve Christ in his name. Amen. Have a great week.